from the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine. Now with 1.2 billion subscribers on iTunes and GeoCities. This is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. Featuring musical guest Sting. Feeling sad? Blame Facebook. The world's biggest social networking site deliberately manipulated thousands of feeds just to see what would happen. An important music and internet anniversary has come and gone and nobody noticed because it involved CompuServe. The World Cup curse of Mick Jagger, why the Brazilians are urging the aging rocker to root for somebody else. Plus, a GNB update on Commander Hatfield's Major Tom cover, our secret project that needs your help, and how one musician is using naked pictures of you to prevent piracy. And now, Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. So did you see that Facebook tinkered with its users' feed for this massive psychology experiment? Is this illegal? Probably not, because if you read the terms of service, it says that they can use data for all kinds of information. Is it ethical? No. Uh, That's enough to make me quit Facebook, tell all my family and friends to quit Facebook uh, because they're they're evil. Yeah, but you're not going to quit Facebook. Nobody quits Facebook. No. It's like the mafia. No, I, I know. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. I, I, I know, but it, what, what do you think? Don't you think that's not really unethical? They're actually uh, manipulating their users' emotions by using these different keywords and all the rest of them. There's 700,000 people. I mean, that's just... I, like, really? Who do you think you are? <laughs> you think you're Facebook. That's who you think you are. Well, I, I guess so. There's not going to be an outcry, except amongst the people that really care about this stuff. And, and that's really not going to make much of a difference. But, I mean, Jesus, Facebook, don't be evil. And no, that's the Google slogan, and they've already blown through that. Well, I know, I know. And they... Well, Google's not necessarily doing a good job about that either. But Jesus, Facebook, don't be evil. In the proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, what they did, uh, as we learned through reading the paper, is that almost 700,000 people had their Facebook feeds tweaked uh, so that uh, a certain group got more negative statements from their friends and they used an algorithm to figure this out they didn't manually go through so nobody's personal privacy was implicated in this but what they did was they figured what the positive or negative terms by a randomly selected group of users were and then they fed them that data and what they learned was that if you see uh, more positive data there is a five percent increase in the amount of positive facebook statuses and comments that you make whereas if there is a negative collection of facebook statuses and posts that you see from your friends there is about a 5.7 percent chance you're going to be cranky too and the funny thing is is that your crankitude continued well past the day that you read the negative commentary it's called emotional contagion They say that emotional contagion occurs without direct interaction between people. 689,003 people were manipulated in this nefarious way. Oh, I don't see it as nefarious at all. Oh, I do. I, I absolutely no 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 no. First of all, it was uh, again. It was fewer than seven hundred thousand. It took place in the second week of. That's the size of. That's the size of Mississauga. That's the size of Winnipeg. No. These people had their emotions manipulated by um, somebody that they think is is is. But their manipulation was only a five percent some odd difference. It really didn't make. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> this is, you know, okay. Again, legally they're allowed to do this. 
because when you sign up and if you were to read uh, the end user license, uh, you agree to give up your data for analysis, testing and research. Yes. Okay. And you would assume that the research would be internal Facebook research. And that's why uh, data scientist Adam Kramer, who is listed as the study's lead author, said he wanted to join Facebook because there is no greater collection of humanity that you could use for this type of research right. than on a but, social network like Facebook. I think the scientific term is icky. <laughs> you need people to not know that they're being manipulated for it to be an effective sample. I, I know. But, I mean, if you're doing a psychological study, you usually, the people doing the study, follow the practice of, of, of informed, cons uh, informed consent. There's a really neat uh, cartoon, a comic that's been circulating around the Intertron, of two pigs at a trough in a barn talking about how fabulous the accommodations are. And then the tagline underneath reads, if you're not paying for it, you're the product. That's true. That's exactly it. And this is, wh this is why you can use Facebook for free is because they want your data. But again, this just seems, I mean, they, I mean, Google does it. Uh, Bing does it. Anybody who is in the business of capturing your digital smog is using your online behavior to do something with, without your consent. But this one just seems to be, like I said, the scientific term is icky because it involves manipulating emotions. It's not taking, you know, your habits of, of where you're shopping, where you're surfing, what you're reading. It's it actually manipulated you on an emotional level by tricking you to feel that way. In addition to emotional contagion, which seems to be the phrase that pays, there was a second phrase, withdrawal effect. People who are exposed to fewer emotional posts in their newsfeed, whether it be positive or negative posts, were less expressive overall on the following days. Okay. Well, okay, translate that for me. In other words, when your friends aren't really participating on Facebook, you don't either. Yeah, I believe that because uh, I'm not I'm, I'm pretty much of a, a one way person on Facebook. I post stuff and I, and I rarely contribute, rarely contribute. I don't think I've ever seen you post anything on Facebook. No, 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 that's not true. I, I, I do every once in a while, but I, I really don't look at what everybody else is doing because I got 5000 friends on one account and 10,000 on the other. And, and, you know, if you if you load up one of my pages, you see the news feed whip by at a thousand miles an hour. So I haven't really got that much of an opportunity to um to interact okay i'm on your facebook page right now which one uh, the official one uh i didn't really know that there was much okay. of a difference well i got two so let me just see we'll open both here okay i see one that's got the poochies on it okay so which is very facebook of you of squirt and schmooze right okay so and then there is uh and then you got alan does this clear up all or most of the potential problems with the twfp for touring acts coming into canada uh, this was the uh so that's the that's the personal site yes so that's the personal site so i if you go to facebook.com slash alan dot cross or alan cross dot ca that's the professional one yeah but i'm not talking about that and nor is anyone else you're you're upset about this. Well, I, I wasn't manipulated. How do you know? Aha! Uh, uh, uh -huh. The individuals who were chosen well, were randomly chosen based upon their. Anybody's, I didn't read anybody's uh, news. Uh, no, I didn't read it. Well, anybody. maybe you were involved and you just didn't know it, and you were one of those guys who didn't help them either way. Uh, could be. 
Friend us on Facebook. Screw you, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> You'll validate our existence, see the stories before everyone else, and bring us one step closer to achieving world peace. An important music in the internet anniversary has come and gone. This is a fairly obscure one, and it has to do with uh, David Geffen and uh, his his record companies in the early 1990s. And everybody back then really wasn't paying much attention to the internet because everything was on dial-up. Uh, you would it would take you know forever to download a single song. And uh, we were all using Waves back then still, for the most part. I'm pretty sure we were still using Waves. So uh, what, what uh, some labels were doing, and Geffen's labels were one of them, they were offering like a 30-second sample of a song that they you know, had released. But what they ended up doing was uh, getting together with Aerosmith. And um, they, for, it, it, they, it was the first legally available downloadable song in the history of the internet and it was a terrible song it was like a a throwaway track they pulled off the cutting room floor well yeah i mean that's that's exactly what you would do at that time because you didn't want to give away you know aerosmith was a platinum platinum selling act and you don't want to do anything that would in any way shape or form cannibalize their their uh, physical sales so you you find a, an outtake and uh, you make that available. Now, let's let's remember, because back in those days, back in the early days of music and the Internet, it was thought that, yeah, you would go out and buy your CD. And uh, but if you wanted something with added value or something rare or something exclusive, well, you could give that away online and that would be a bit of promotion. You wouldn't give away anything from the album, but you would give away an outtake uh, an unreleased track, a demo, something like that, which is what Geffen was, was thinking of doing. And just to give you some perspective as well, this was five years before Napster existed. Yeah, yeah, it's 19, yeah, 1994. And, you know, it would take, uh, I remember doing this, I remember, oh God, half an hour to download a single song. Oh, on yeah. My, uh, what would I have? What would my modem be? You probably would have had a, a 58.8. Yeah, pro- well, not in 94. Yeah, maybe in 94 I had a 58.8. No, 56. 56, 56.6 or something like that? Yeah, something like that. It's amazing. I was so caught up in that world for so long, it's, it, it surprises me that I don't remember the details. So I tied an onion to my belt, which was the style at the time. No! I worked at a, an online community called the Macintosh Awareness Group in Canada at the time and uh, i uploaded macintosh awareness group yeah it was short for magic magic there we go were you ever on magic no i was never on. you were never a mac guy at the time no i wasn't and uh, what they did was um it was a graphical bbs so it was a precursor to world wide web website type of environment and bbs where people could chat with each other that's before Netscape and, and everything, right? Exactly. Well, Netscape had just come on. A Mosaic was actually the precursor to it. Okay, but I right. had uploaded to this online community the sound of a 28.8 modem. And it was the most popular download on the entire site. Just the sound of those crunching bits and bytes. And it took forever. A 4.3 megabyte download would have taken forever to download. I know. I remember trying to download one 
piece of porn. It took forever. I gave up. What? You didn't do that? Um, um, back then, they had GIFs in the form of uh, adult files were GIFs. And this was before they were animated. Yeah. And it was it, you would have to basically step back from your screen and squint. Yeah. And go, oh, yeah, I think that's a boob. It was it was kind of like when you were a kid and you watched scrambled pay TV adult content. Yeah, and hope every once in a while you thought you saw something. Yeah, you thought you saw something. And I was at an age where I didn't know what I was looking for in the first place. Uh, this is true. I was a member of uh, CompuServe for, for for a while. That's amazing. Yeah, I w because I, I, I like the forums. I would go into there was a couple of radio forums, and this would have to be. Mm, 93, 94. And I remember I would have to call long distance because the nearest node to me was in Ohio, yeah. which is where CompuServe was headquartered. Which is why phone freaking was so huge, where you would trick the phone company into thinking that you were an internal employee and therefore allowed to make a long distance call for free. Yeah. And, and CompuServe was a lot like Facebook in that, uh, well, no, it wasn't. It was more like iTunes because you had to download a program. Mm-hmm. And everything that you did on the site was within this program. You just there was no such thing as a as, as a web page back then. I remember it was really slow, not a lot of graphics. I had a, a, a special long distance sprint code, so I would have I had to set up the modem. So I would dial into the international access part of my sprint code, and then dial the one eight hundred number in America for the CompuServe number. So after the string of almost 20 numbers, I would finally be able to log in. And, and back then, you know, there, if there was a little glitch on the, on, on the line, you, you know, the, the, the connection would drop. Um, there was nothing, there was no audio going back and forth if, if, that I bothered with because it would take so long. Uh, but, wow. I'm on CompuServe.com right now, and it looks like they haven't updated it since 1994. Come on, really? It still exists. It's now owned by Netscape. So if you go to CompuServe.com, it redirects you to webcenters.netscape.compuserve.com, and it looks like they haven't changed it in 20 years. Wow. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I have not. Wow. I just updated my uh, my modem. I'm getting, oh, I'm going to do a speed test right now. Continue. Go on. Oh, you're going to do a speed test on your, uh, your cable modem? Yeah, I got modem? a new modem. Yeah, I got a new one. Your DSL? You got a new one. Why'd you get a new one? Because I was told I can get a faster one. Ooh. Okay. So did you do it before? Is this going to be the after? Uh, this is the after. Oh, you didn't do it before. Well, no, I'm just looking at my... Is that my download? Okay. What, what website are you using? Uh, speedtest.net. Speedtest.net. Okay. Okay, so... Let's see who has a bigger penis. Okay. Begin test. Three, two, one, go. Selecting best server based on ping. Download speed. Stand by. Okay. I have a feeling you're going to kick my butt on this. It's very possible. I'm on Bell. Uh-huh. It looks like I'm topping out at 17 megabits per second. Up? Up. Uh, no, that's download. Yeah. I think it'd be up. Oh, download. Sorry. Upload speed. Usually the upload speeds are a fraction of your download speed because chances are you're not uploading much. Yeah. I'm looking at about 1.7 megabits per second upload speed. So what are you looking at? Ooh. 62 down, 11 up. 
62? 62. How much are you paying for your Intertron? Uh, 85 a month. That's only about 25 more than me. Because I, listen, I run my business out of my house and all and my business depends on being able to upload and download stuff. Who are you with? Kojiko. Wow. Holy moly, I got to move out to the burbs. And, I, and I'll tell you, we're recording this at uh, 7.16 on a Sunday night when people are watching a lot of World Cup. So my uh, my, my uh, cable network here is going to be really real. If I did this in the middle of the night, I bet you I'd get closer to 100 down. Wow. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Bell Media has announced that they're going to be cutting 120 jobs. Uh, yeah, I meant to ask. Do you have a job? Uh, I, I have a job at the moment. Okay, good. The email from the boss went out saying that over the course of the summer, the axe is going to come down on uh, uh, tens of dozens of people. So if I'm looking for a job, apparently there's an opening at the Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> yes, there is. Hey, you, get up my clown. You don't know me and you don't know my staff. We'll be getting down when they come to a jam. Here I am, here I am, the method man. This is a Craigslist um, opening, a Craigslist ad. <laughs> Wu-Tang posted on Craigslist? I know, it's fantastic. Wu-Tang management is currently looking for people that are versed in social media networking and also up in the newest social networking trends. We are looking for individuals that are able to set time, appointed times, through the day to do social media updates and stay consistent with posts. This is what we were looking for. Uh, the perfect candidate would be someone that is available for various events to document footage and pictures on all social media outlets, such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and so on. Well, we don't have that. We're looking for somebody with excellent written communication skills, with an ability to communicate with diverse audiences, interest in the music and or entertainment industry, professional demeanor, experience with social networking. Uh, Ning. They want you to be aware of Ning. What on earth is that? God, that was an ancient social. Look it up. Uh, well organized with attention to detail and ability to carry out tasks in, uh, independently and the ability to meet deadlines. Uh, and they have a series of projects here. Capadonna hook off her first hip hop album with no hooks. Woo, uh, Woo World Radio, Wu Tang Clan 20th Anniversary Project, WooWorld.com, their social media platform for artists, producers, and music lovers. Yeah, Woo-World.com looks like it was done by a 13-year-old in their mother's basement in 1994 using Netscape. Oh, or GeoCities. Oh, my God, it's just terrible. I, the first thing on that job description should be build them a new website. Oh, 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 look at that. What a horrible website. They got a live studio cam. Oh, that's terrible. That's a terrible... Even the dog hates it. Holy God, that's terrible. Hey, speaking of things, hmm? real estate mogul Lenny Kravitz is still making music. I didn't know he was a real estate mogul. Oh, listen, he is a huge real estate mogul. He has a, a company called Kravitz Design. Um, they do a couple of things. They uh, buy up high-end properties, re uh, uh, renovate them, and flip them. And then he's also got uh, a design uh, part of that where he, he's, his company's hired him to do hotels and, and condominiums. In fact, uh, in Toronto, there's a, a, a condo called Bisha that's going up and down to Toronto. That's a Lenny Kravitz project. Hmm. It, it's on, I think it's on Peter Street, Peter or John Street. And it's a big uh, condo and uh, boutique hotel development. When you get the kind of money that Lenny Kravitz has gotten over the course of the years, you're in a position to say, what do I want to do? I can do anything I want. What is it going to be? Uh, and, and I'm with him. I would love to get into the, the take an old dilapidated house, flip it, 
after turning it into a gorgeous property. Uh, not not for the money, but just for the enjoyment of it. I, I, I gutted my own place, and I, it was the most fun I had had with, with clothes on in a long time. Yeah, it would be you know, if you had if you had more money, more time. And if you could devote, you know, your full energies to it and then not be too far, or have your life, you know, um, uh, disrupted too much. I mean, it would be great. Um, Lenny has properties in New Orleans, the Bahamas, Brazil. Uh, he lives in Paris most of the time. I've seen the pictures in Paris. He's, it's really good. He uh, bought this duplex in Soho in New York for $7 million back in 2010, uh, fixed it up, and then uh, flipped it to Alicia Keys for $13 million. And he's got this new album coming out called Strut. September the 22nd. So artists must look at him and go, wow, lucky you, because you can indulge in your musical passions and not really have to not have to depend on them to pay the bills because you're this real estate dude and you, you've got money coming in like crazy. What do you think of the new track? It's a Lenny Kravis track. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I gave you all the love I had. He's got a sushi shop. See, this is what I'm getting at. When you've got more money than God, think of all the different things that you could uh, find yourself engaged in. Uh, a friend of mine was down in New Orleans, and he heard of this really fabulous blues joint he wanted to go to. As he's walking towards it, there's the owner sitting on the front porch on a chair, leaning back, just enjoying the world going by. And it's Morgan Freeman. <laughs> That's funny. That's really funny. I'm looking at this uh, project called Paramount Bay. Oh, wow, this is nice. I'm looking at the pool. So I guess this is, uh, I'm guessing this is in the Bahamas. Correct. Yeah, wow. Again, dude, good taste, high-end stuff. Good for you. I met him once, and he was a very nice guy. I liked him a lot. You ready for Ask Ellen anything? Yes, let's go ahead. Got a question about music, love, that suspicious rash? Ask Alan anything. Call 323-319-NERD. Hey, Alan. It's Rich from East Selkirk, Manitoba. I have a very interesting question for you, and it concerns the Beach Boys. For a while now, I've noticed they've had a lot of the remastered stuff out, except for a certain bunch of albums that aren't available online here in Canada. My question is, is this a ongoing dispute with the record label or an infamous uh, Beach Boys long-time litigation bull dookie? Anyway, hope to hear from you, and props to the podcast. Thanks. I wasn't sh aware that there was any issue with Beach Boys material in Canada. Uh, as far as I know, I mean, I'm on most of the product servicing lists, and all the Beach Boys stuff that I've been looking for has been given to me, so I don't know. Rich points out there's some stuff that's just not out there in Canada. Well, then it would be a licensing issue. Now, would it be out in terms of... Um, okay, hang on. I'm just looking something up here. One moment, please. Two different issues. Uh, there's a lot of stuff for various reasons that doesn't make it to the iTunes Canada store. And it all has to do with, with licensing and which companies, which rights holders hold the rights for 
various territories. And the Beach Boys have been around long enough, and their catalog has bounced around from a different owner and different publisher to different owner to different publisher. So it's very possible that there's just this Byzantine web of, of, of rights and ownership that nobody's been able to quite figure out yet. And with the Beach Boys being the Beach Boys, I mean, what do you want? Good Vibrations, 409, uh, you know, California Girls. I mean... Yeah, there's like six Beach Boys tracks that you'd really want. And after that, it's all just noise. Right. And there there was a huge box set of the Pet Sounds box set that uh, that I have. That's... Uh, God, it was expensive. And then there's a couple of other ones here that are... Yeah, so I would... Uh, you know, it is possible that the... Uh, the, the the digital product is not available, but I can't see any of the physical product not being available. Are you telling me Rich from East Selkirk has stumped you? No, I don't have as much information as I require to give you a cogent answer. If you've got a question for Ask Ellen Anything, call 323-319-NERD. Thank you. London, Bangkok, New York, Cincinnati. From the worldwide headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine. This is a GNB News Update. Geeks and Beats updates. We were talking not too long ago uh, in the episode titled License Oddity about so why Commander Hadfield's version of Space Oddity was pulled off the Inertron. And it was your assertion that while David Bowie himself probably didn't uh, pull the plug, his production company did. This kind of relates to our Beach Boy situation. It has to do with ownership and licensing and copyright. David Bowie has gone through a lot of legal issues regarding the ownership of his songs. Uh, Space Oddity was released in 1969. That was when he was with a guy named Tony DeFries, uh, a manager that he had to pay with his soul to get away from in the in the late 70s. And uh, I guess what happened was that the copyright for Space Oddity has long been since yanked from Bowie's control. So whoever arranged the license deal with Chris Hadfield exercised their right to take it down after uh, a year. But because Bowie didn't have – Bowie heard about this. He, he tried to intervene and, and to, no, to no avail. So the Ottawa citizen actually had to uh, apologize for insinuating that it was Bowie who insisted on the removal of the song. They did this in an article a couple of – back on May the 16th, and uh, they had to backtrack. GNB update on the World Cup curse of Mick Jagger. You don't want Mick Jagger to cheer for your team. Why is that? First, he shows up and he starts cheering for England, of course. England crashes and burns. All right, so he changes his loyalties to Italy. Italy crashes and burns. Then he would say that uh, uh, it was going to be Portugal. Uh, then, no, it's not, not going to be Portugal. So apparently the Brazilians have launched social media campaigns urging him to support their rivals. Yeah, don't get behind the Brazilian team, please. Um, so if you're if you're a fan of Brazil, you, you want Jagger to be a fan of Costa Rica. Well, we don't have to worry about that anymore because they're out. Uh, the Netherlands, France, or Germany. Otherwise, you're screwed. <laughs> I I think you know this is why I like I, I like large uh, events like the Olympics and the World Cup and so on. It's because there are so many stories. There are so many reporters covering uh, the event that you have to talk about more than just the games. You have to talk about all this other stuff, which is why I think the Toronto Suns coverage is really good because they have you know daily diaries and they have all this behind-the-scenes stuff and all this on-the-ground social um, social commentary stuff. It's great. And, and uh, there was, actually, the Hollywood Reporter was where I read about Jagger, the Jagger curse. And uh, I, I would imagine that we will be following this to see if... Uh, 
if Mick is going to declare his um, his support and see what happens with those teams. But I like that. According to The Hollywood Reporter, near the start of the tournament, uh, Jagger took to Twitter to cheer for his home country, England, in their match against Uruguay, uh, tweeting, Let's go, England! This is the one to win! Exclamation mark. Exclamation mark. Sidebar. Yeah. You either put one exclamation mark in or three. It's not two. It's not four. It's three. Yeah, you're right. And anything beyond three is overkill. They lost, and then, of course, heading home early after their dire performance in the first round. And then the Jagger Curse first captured Brazilian popular imagination in 2010 in South Africa. At that tournament, he attended a key England, U.S., and Brazil game, and every team he supported lost. No, I'm just saying. So, uh, Mick, thanks very much. Your help is not required. Geeks and Beats update on a top-secret project we're working on right now. Which one is this? We were asking you tell us what your favorite moments from the podcast were. Oh, that one, that yeah, one. Yeah, okay. okay. Do we have multiple top secret projects we're working on here? I don't know. I, I know about the one. I didn't know that there was a, there could have been another one. I mean. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we've got. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I have the yellow cake uranium we're looking for. We, uh, we're looking to find from you what your favorite moments are on the big show. And we're uh, compiling it for a reason of which we are yet to be able to discuss. Yeah, uh, because the deal's not finalized and it is uh, it could be on the bubble for all we know. So if you go to geeksandbeats.com and browse through the site, you'll see where it is that we're asking you uh, to tell us. Uh, we had uh, a couple of comments uh, suggesting that we need to make sure that uh, as we compile our favorite moments, one of them includes you choking on that <laughs> sipping rum. Yeah, I remember that. That should be in there. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, other ones suggested that anything from the past two seasons. No. Thank you, but that doesn't help. No. We're much too close to this project, so we need an outside set of ears. Right. Geeks and Beats update on the iPod. Uh, you have been telling wait, 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 us... Wait, 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 wait. When, when do we have to have this thing ready for the thing? Well, I was told that uh, we could take our time with it, but I'd rather get this thing locked down sooner rather than later. I would say that anything after July the 15th is is dodgy. I agree. So if you're listening to this and it's the most recent episode, get yourself to thegeeksandbeats.com. Works on your smartphone, works on your desktop. Uh, fire us off a couple of thoughts as to the, uh, what you thought. We, we haven't had a lot of response, which suggests to me that this show kind of sucks. <laughs> it's, oh dear. Okay, um, let's, uh, did we tweet this? We did. Oh, okay. We'll do it um, again. Oh, by the way. Yes. Did you get my email opt-in, re-opt-in email? Uh, maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. I see something sitting here right now. You know what? Uh, this is actually a very interesting point. Ah, here it is. We need your consent. You know what? You don't. Do, do you know that, that, that this is actually just total garbage? That the spam legislation that, go, that went into effect July 1st that required uh, anyone who is sending you a message to have you opt into it Actually, that's not the case at all. Uh, and I'll tell you why specifically for you, Alan Cross. You didn't need to send me this. Yes, keep sending me the newsletter. Why? I opted in in the first place. Well, I know, but then there's a bunch of other things no, that no, you... No, 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 So long as the content is relevant to me and I have requested that I receive your information, regardless as to what it is, you no longer need me to give you secondary approval to continue sending you this content. Are the you sure about this? One hundred... You're talking to the business nerd. Because I read the Castle, uh, the Canadian anti-spam legislation, and... and 
Nope. No? No. So uh, the only circumstance under which uh, the CASL applies to anyone in Canada is if somebody got your email address somehow, put it on a spam list, sold it to someone, and then someone you didn't initially have a relationship with sent you an email. Okay. Because there were a number of people within Canada that were sending me crap. There were a couple of real estate people that I have absolutely no need to hear from. And you probably never had a relationship with them before. No. And they bought your email address from someone else. Okay. And then they would have to send you a, hey, do you mind if we keep spamming you, uh, a a permission email. But because I went to a journalofmusicalthings.com and entered my email address into the subscribe box, you are under no obligation to continue to request my permission. And and, and it's great for me in the media because I'm on a ton of spam lists from uh, PR companies of which I have no relationship, and they're sending me all of these requests and I'm ignoring them, which hopefully means I'm being taken off their distribution lists. However, even under their circumstances, because they're sending me content that's relevant to my job, it's actually something they're allowed to continue to send. By and large, the CASL legislation is toothless. Well, it is because a lot of my spam comes from outside the country. And that's the other side of it, too. Even though the Canadian legislation gives Canada the right to slap a $1 to $10 million fine on a spammer for sending you unsolicited email, what's the likelihood that the guy who continues to spam me on Viagra is going to actually pay up that fine? And by the way, this is a little weird sidebar. When I was in my, my 30s, all my spam was hot chicks now. I hit my 40s and it was... Uh, it was switched from mortgage spam and hot chicks to Viagra. Interesting. Now, what is also weird is that this anti-spam law is essentially creating an awful lot of spam. And that in and to itself is illegal. But by someone who you didn't give permission to contact you in the first place, sending you a CASL uh, email, that in and to itself is against the CASL, the Castle Law. This is... You know what this is? Nonsense? No, it's a government conspiracy to pump up the fortunes of Canada Post. <laughs> no, 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 no. Stephen Harper wants to kill Canada Post. No, no, no. Dad, you know it, that. It is uh, a push for businesses to get back into the direct mail business. Fat chance. I, I'm just going to stand by that. So I went through all this stuff and paid a guy to, to create this uh, opt-in, opt-in That's thing. That's the guy who's making the real money here. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah, you should have talked to me first, my well, friend. Well, how would I know that this is... <sighs> Whatever. Okay, fine. I just got panicky because I saw that $1 million to $10 million fine. The, and, and there were all these other people with whom I deal with on a regular basis. Music publicists and uh, other music journalists who send out uh, uh, email letters. And we were all just, you know, panicking about this thing, thinking that this is going to put us all out of business. No. Um, no. Well, which brings us uh, to uh, Loki Rabek an electronic musician who works under the name Croatian Amour. Yeah. Just completed a brand new album titled The Wild Palms, and he plans to only release it on cassette? He plans to release it only on cassette, which is dumb. In and to itself, but it gets better. He is... uh, The other thing about this is that he's not accepting money for it. What he's very concerned about, piracy. So, he's saying that I will give you 
a copy of my brand new cassette album, The Wild Palms, if you send me a naked selfie. What? Yes. Now, what's the anti-piracy measure here? If I end up copying this cassette and giving it to a friend, he's going to release my photo? Let me explain. This is a quote from him. So, I ask that anyone who gets the music does not share it with anyone. And I promise in return not to share these photos with anyone myself. They are going to be in a file and they're going to stay there. I wanted it to be a secret because, you know, if we're talking about intimacy, nothing is stronger than keeping secrets together. So, he's asking for you to take a selfie with the words, the wild palms written somewhere on your body before July the 22nd. Uh, and he will send you a limited edition cassette. If you would like the address, it's going to be in the show notes, but I don't want to hear anything about it. And nothing says authentic like a Gmail account to send a selfie naked. (laughs) Yeah. Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes and watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter or Facebook and get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.